Hello out there. We're on the air. It's, it's Rink Moose Talk tonight. The beers are cold. The mics light up. And, and the, the boys, boys get set to fight. The gloves come off. Opinions get thrown. And someone slips on ice. One man howls. The other scowls. But the show must go on. Oh, the good old hockey game is the best game you can name. And the best game you can name is the good old hockey game. You're an announcer with a long stick from time to time. With hockey flows. And Marshawn's nose. And Pierre Maguire's life. Not John's a leaf. Ovechkin's teeth. And Hoffman's crazy wife. When Carey slumps. And Benjamin stumps. Durant's not LaFontaine. Jokes aside, it's podcast time. And Rink Moose is the name. Ladies and gentlemen, good evening. And welcome to episode 25. Wow. Of the <laughs> Go on. Of the Rink Moose Hockey Podcast. <laughs> Moose. W- Simmer down. A weekly episodic podcast where two good friends will sit down at some imaginary invisible table and discuss all things National Hockey League as well as their implications in fantasy hockey. I'm Nick. I'm one of your hosts this evening. Along with my good pal, Kyle Nice. Kyle, how are you doing on this fine evening? Well, Nick, uh, when you speak about sitting down at this imaginary table, it uh, it sounds a whole lot better than where I am right now. Right. I'm, uh, yes. <laughs> I've moved into a new uh, new abode, a new mansion, the Rink Moose Mansion, some would say. <laughs> and uh, as it so happens, I've had to lock myself in a broom closet just to uh, just to give you guys the best episode possible. So. We're uh, we're coming at you from the Rink Moose closet, and uh, I couldn't be happier. It's a it's a very cozy little shack here, Nick. So just literally squished, no leg room, just just <clears throat> trying to just stick through it for the next hour here. Is that right? Nick, I'm sitting on my hockey pants and my shoulder wow. pads, and I've got aye, my aye, sticks aye. right beside me, as along with a few boxes. It's uh, what, a, what a what a stench that must be. Oh no, it's not too bad. It's been airing out uh, a while. I, I I plan for this far in advance. All right. Okay. Yeah. Thank your word for it. Yeah. How are you doing today, Nick? Oh, it's been a long night. You know, just uh, you know, it's t- typical typical <laughs> long night. That's oh all yeah, of course. I'm gonna leave. Of... I'm gonna leave it. I'm gonna leave it at that. <laughs> a lot of studying, eh? <laughs> yeah. Not no. You know, not much studying. Lots of lots of extracurricular <laughs> activities. You know. Gotcha, Nick. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> That's uh, yeah. got to keep that on the down low, of course. <laughs> yes, of course, of course. So speaking of uh, extracurricular activities, Nick, Pierre Maguire has found himself in the uh, the news for all the wrong reasons this week. Now we all know he got into a bit of a bit of trouble over at the All Star game there, and I and I warned you, Nick. I said this is the Pierre's in a bit of bit of hot water here, and uh, you didn't buy into it right away until we started seeing all the articles with the. Uh, with the the apologies and the the accusations and Pierre Maguire's a sexist piece of shit, but uh, yeah, I think uh, the defense you sent me was pretty darn good, and I think Pierre pleaded his case really well, and uh, I think people might have uh, overblown this whole situation just a little bit. Well, I mean, that's what I that's what I thought from the get go. I mean, when I saw you were sending me all these reports about how he'd be in you know hot water over his comments and his conduct over not only the weekend, but on that wet Wednesday night rivalry night when he had a uh, Kendall coin next to him in, in between the benches. I, I, I had no idea it was going to blow up into such a, such a social media, you know, fiasco as it was. Hmm. And so uh, I, I just thought it was fake news. You were just trying to get on my back because you're here <laughs> among the two of us, the, the Pierre hater here, obviously. No, and, uh, I I didn't know where you I you know I was just like okay this is just Kyle grinding my gears fake news and then I wake up like Thursday night uh, Thursday morning and it was like Pierre Maguire quote I apologize for what I said about Kendall Coin <laughs> and I was like oh my god like what happened here like how could this have been blown out of proportion and uh, apparently lots of people you know were upset about the way he acted with her and and how he 
was quote mansplaining <laughs> finger about the game saying Pittsburgh's on this side and Tampa Bay's on this side all right like like just stating the obvious and 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 and, and saying stuff like oh I'm gonna be your cage tonight Kendall like Ooh. shit like that and, but that uh, he never addressed Nick like that's to me it was the worst part the cage thing What's it was just weird come on it was weird on. He's just being excited and he's playful. Come on, just leave him alone. No, Nick. Like of all the, de he defended all his stuff with the mansplaining thing. It's great. Just a fun little comment. It's so Simmer strange. Down. What does that mean? You're gonna like you're what, like what are you gonna protect her from danger? Like come on here. What does that mean? I don't know if he'd ever say that to to Ray Ray Ferraro if he was beside him. Don't worry, Ray. I'm gonna help you. <laughs> No, he wouldn't say that. It's weird. Point being, for the most part, I think it was vastly overblown. Um, it was. It reminded me of just a bunch of people. This is the way the world works with Pierre Maguire. The second people get a little sniff of just anything they can gang up and team up on him on, they just take it and they'll jump all over him for it. And the second they just get like a sniff of something, like bam. It's mm. right there. And and I'm telling you, if this was like the 80s or the 90s when social media wasn't the way it was today, this would have never been an issue. But the fact we live in today's generation where this guy's under the microscope every single second of his life, I just I, I just feel it's vastly unfair. And, and people just took advantage of, of something that, in my opinion, was was, you know, not not very over the top top by any stretch and was just totally blown out of proportion. Well, you know, Nick, as they always say, if if you wear the clown suit, you're you're a pretty easy target. I mean, uh, Pierre's made himself a famous figure for saying off-color, goofy, stupid, weird things. So I guess it kind of goes both ways. It can work to make him famous, and it can work to make him infamous. And in this case, his weirdness just got him on the wrong side of the uh, the bill here. Oh, absolutely. Like, he didn't, obviously didn't mean anything he say. He's not sexist or anything, right? Like, no, I, I don't think so. His defense was very strong when he was like, like, you understand where I'm coming from here. When, when he said, he was like, quote, you know. I, I have a I wife. Have a, I, I, <laughs> I have a wife. I have a mother. I have an Olympic medalist daughter. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like. I have all the respect for a woman in the world, and <laughs> and I would be the last person to be sexist. Yeah, you know, I'm just paraphrasing here, but that was along the lines of what he said. And, By the way, and, we, and, we know, never hear about his wife, eh? No, no, totally, never. totally, uh, totally under 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 secret secret passage there. Like that's for a lot of people. That's the first time they figured out he had a wife. Oh, for sure. a lot of people. For sure. That's weird. Speak oh, just because he, he talks about his personal life so much. It's like where where's this right. important piece? But but hey, it was a well founded defense because because if you actually know anything about his personal life, uh, apparently his daughter is like one of the best uh like uh Isn't she a singer. rower? She's a rower. She's like one of the best rowers of her age in like the, all the United States. She won like the big tournament this past year. And, uh, and and she's like, she's one of the best, apparently. Huh. And so, like, his defense was like, hey, like, if I encourage my daughter to be, like, you know, one of the best rowers in the world, why would why would I be against, like, women and, and them progressing in hockey, you know? Yeah. So, so it was very well-founded defense. And it's unfortunate he had to go that far to defend himself when, as I said earlier, it was just such a unfounded, you know, accusations just being thrown <clears throat> at him. Yeah, fair enough. But yeah. uh, the good news is, Nick, I th I think things have mostly blown over. I think I people so. have uh, people have forgotten about it. But you know, this might hurt his general manager chances down the road. But anyways, uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Like All this right. is yet another chapter added to his legacy. You know, in that big fat book of Pierre Maguire's <laughs> moments added up, this is yet another thing tacked on there. And yeah. again, not not necessarily his fault, you know, like not that big of a blunder on his part. But again, people ganged up on him. And, and because of that, it, it, it's become one of those things. There's um, going to have to be some key YouTube videos that will need to be adjusted <laughs> and added to. Absolutely. And, and, and it's so sad, you know, because like 
because of all this banter, he basically can't have any social media presence at all. Like apparently he doesn't have any like social media uh you know affiliation at all no twitter no facebook yeah no nothing no instagram he he just totally zones out from social media because of all these people and all these shenanigans teaming up on him Fuck. and so like it's funny because like when when shit like this happens he has like friends of his like executives in hockey calling him saying hey pierre you're really under the microscope now buddy <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it's 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 i feel bad for the guy well, what can you do, right? He's going to be in the news again next week for something else, so that'll uh, that'll push things back to the to the to the natural order of things with Pierre. But we'll we got to we got to move on, Nick. Unfortunately, yep. we've given him our uh, our standard uh, ten ten minutes here, and mm-hmm. uh, just quick news, little news update, not huge, but uh, Mikey D Pietro, your favorite goaltender of all time, mm-hmm. got called up to Vancouver today on an emergency basis. So I think uh, the way that works, I know you sent me that little thing, is that uh, if all your goalies are, all your NHL contracted goalies are, are injured and you don't have a backup, then uh, you're allowed to call up your, your OHL slash CHL goaltender. So it's a rare case, Nick. And uh, I don't think he was in the, on the ice or in the game today, but good little bit of experience for the, for the young kid. I, I'm sure he, he learned a lot from tonight. Yeah, I mean, it, it's sad. I, I wish I got to see him play, you know, being one of my favorite goalies. Uh, that would have been fun. <clears throat> yeah. But, uh, you know, the, the law is the long, the, the law is the law. The CBA is the CBA. And, uh, you know, he's he's got to, he's got to, you know, abide by that. And and the reality is, like, he, he is an emergency backup. He can't just be thrusted in as the, as the starter tonight. So, uh you know, it, it, it is what it is. We're just going to have to wait for another year or so for his debut. But, I mean, I think the players will enjoy it. I think having his just, you know, being the character-filled guy he is, having him on the bench will be fun. I think he's going to mm-hmm. get introduced to a lot of teammates that he's going to be running with for the next five to ten years, the next several years, which is which is cool. Um, you know, just a fun night sitting on the bench. And, and I, think, I think for a guy like him who just embraces talking to people and just being that that character presence on the bench, I, I think he's going to have a good time, and I think it's good for him, you know? Yeah, the only question I have on this guy is when is his projected start date? Because they've got Markstrom now, and he's he's probably not the answer for the future, but they've got this guy Thatcher Demko, who's a, a very highly touted young man, and they say he's their goaltender of the near future, so I, I just wonder where does Mikey DiPietro fit into this? Like, is he going to be here in the next five years, maybe more, maybe two two years? I don't see a, a little window for this guy unless trades are made. And see, this is why, personally, I wouldn't be surprised if, if, if they ultimately trade Demko, just mm. given their depth at that position. And, yeah. and I think any any rational Canucks fan would agree with me on that point, right? You got a Markstrom, a Demko, and a Di Pietro. You're not going to trade Di Pietro, being the more the more highly highly touted guy, you know, potentially of the three there. But if you can get you know value for a Markstrom or a Demko, whether it be you know more depth on defense, which I think would be needed, given you know your best defenseman's uh, an Alexander Edler, who's let's be honest, is is running older nowadays. Um, I, I think if you could just get like a you know a solid defense prospect or a, a guy who's a veteran defenseman for for one of those three strong goaltenders, I think mm-hmm. you can easily pull the trigger on that deal if if you know you're the GM there. Yeah, I agree. It's a uh, it's an interesting little scenario and definitely a good problem to have for those guys. And uh, well, we just saw Edler got his face just messed up yesterday in the oh, boy. in the Philly game which was just nasty. So I think that if he's out long-term, their playoff chances are hurting. But uh, fuck, who knows in that West Western Conference? Just it's, no, like it, a, it's the yeah, Wild like West. A, it's like no one knows what's going on. Yeah, like I heard it's going to be at least a week. And so oh, the, fact okay. the fact they already gave a little timetable on that is, is reassuring. That's good, yeah. Um, apparently, like no big structural damage. You just had to have like some stitches done. And he's got a concussion. Which oh, he doesn't does. sound good. Doesn't sound good. Okay. But uh, but obviously no structural damage. So that that's a good thing. 
Um, yeah. And like you said, he is their best defenseman. He's a guy they really lean on. Um, and hey, he was even some trade bait. You know, if if they really fell out in the next two to three weeks, potentially he'd be traded. So yeah. uh, you know, you you never know. But uh, you know, hopefully all for the best. Fingers crossed. I mean, for all fans in Canada, I think it would be great to see the Canucks have a playoff push. And, sure. And he'd obviously, big. He'd be a big part of that. I so, guess. So uh, yeah. So I I think just fingers crossed here and uh, and hope for the best. Yeah. Well, Nick, let's uh, let's get down to business. We got we got to talk some numbers here, because uh, there's big news just coming out today. Which and today's Tuesday, February fifth. We just got the Matthews contract, and there's been uh, there's some been some guys on both sides of the fence here, Nick. We've got about an eleven point six AAV for five years, so not the full eight, but just the five. Initial thoughts, what do you think about this contract? I mean, the way it sounds, they the only way they were going to get him under 12 and around that 11 million range was if they offered him less term. You know, instead of like an eight or a seven or a six year, they gave him a five-year deal. And so by the sounds of things, five-year... 11.6 million seems to be, you know, a, 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 a good deal for both parties. You know, it's not a steal. Yeah. It's no, it's not a Pasternak deal. It's not like what Boston got with Pasternak, but it's also not like alt, like very close to McDavid numbers. Hmm. And so I, I, I think for both parties, it's a, it's a decent deal. And, and I think it's good for the Leafs because now they have him and Nylander under wraps. It's not like you had both Marner and Matthew sitting out. Like, imagine if he had both their agents saying, "Hey, we're not negotiating till May." You know, oh, like yeah. th- then you'd be in a tough situation because you wouldn't be able to project what exactly your 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 future, like you know, your what what you're gonna offer everybody else. It's hard to plan when these agents just totally block you off. But I think the fact that they got Matthews done and Nylander done just a few months ago, I think now that you got two of the three done you can now start planning for the final third, you know, head of the dragon here and, and, and Marner. Yeah. So, and so I, I think, I think it was good. How was agent and Matthews were transparent about what they wanted. They came to a deal. Dubas got it done. And, and now we see what happens with Mitch Marner. Yeah. Fully agree on that point. I, I just don't see what people could be bitching about for this contract. Like, for those out there saying this is too high for, for Matthews, I, I simply don't understand. Because uh, we're all speculating, oh, it's going to be at least 12. At le- it could be as high as 14. Like, we're all speculating that. And what Dubas has done is, sure, he's shortened the contract, but this is your window anyways. Like, he is uh, he's setting up the window so it's it's a, it makes it possible. Like, anything over 11.6 and things get very dicey. But uh, the the thing Bob McKenzie was tooting his horn about today was we we switch our focus obviously to the Marner camp and uh, we got to ask ourselves what does he get because his camp and that's uh, his agent himself uh, his dad of course they they think he's worth every penny that Matthews is so if Marner all of a sudden wants Matthews money but more term then we could see this going north of eleven point six but. It it sounds to me like Marner's camp is saying eleven point six is a is like we we won't go below this. So this is uh this is uh this is an interesting situation here. Right, and and like I I'm no accountant. Like I I have no idea what the salary situation looks like next year. Like I wish I was that smart, but I I'm just not. But but what I do know is that Patty Marlowe he's got an expiring contract, you know, and that's eating up a lot of money. He's getting paid a lot. So you know, I don't see why you can't just unload him, get that money off. You know, Gardner, he's going to be not paid anymore next year, supposedly. You know, supposedly they won't hang on to him. So those are two big contracts there that you could kind of throw out the window. And so if, if, if you don't consider those two, then I think they, they won't really have a problem in getting this done. Like, could, could you really argue against that? 
Uh, yeah, I, I don't think they'd have a problem getting it done. I didn't know Marlowe was actually uh, expiring, so that... Uh... He, he only he only has, like, a three-year deal. So, like, if you count okay. last year, this year, and next year, next year's the last year. Okay, so, so they got just, him if one they more. Could find, if they could find it, yeah, but I'm not saying they got to settle for that. Like, let's say they yeah. find a trade suitor to just eat up his contract, then he's done, right? It's just one year. Yeah. Now, the other crook in this little... Uh... This little scenario here is, I don't know if you heard on the radio, but Darren Dreger said, he broke the news. He said, uh, Mitch Marner, if he makes it past uh, the the deadline to sign him, then he will 100% get an offer sheet. And I think that happens July 1st, where teams are able to, to start offer sheeting. So if they don't have a deal done by J- July 1st, he says, multiple teams like will already have offer sheets prepared for Marner. But uh, and, and then again, Marner's camp said they won't. They don't want to negotiate till after the season. So it, it's just going to be a lot of stress and a lot of uh, a lot of debates that go on. And, and hopefully they can get it done before then. But uh, it brings us back to the whole offer sheet conversation. And uh, if if a team does does decide to go nuclear here and and make a huge offer, say like a thirteen thirteen five. Then what? Do, what do the Leafs do in that case? Do they just match it and and figure it out later, or do they just kind of take the four first rounders and and let them go? And and that's what I'm hearing. I, I don't know if you heard the Craig Button part of it, but but your your boy Craig basically said, "Hey, listen, if there's offer sheets thrown his way, it, it's going to be matched. Like the, the 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 norm of offer sheets is even if they're offered, usually the team that owns that player's rights." is going to is going to match it at the very least and so with a player like a generational talent like mitch marner it's going to be matched like greg button he gave this example of this player he he had they they tried to offer sheet this player from phoenix craig was working working for dallas and it was this no-name player in 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 phoenix and they offer sheeted him and dallas and and sorry phoenix just matched it and, and ultimately hmm. what he says is, is it's just one big bluff. Like it, it's a bluff for teams to say, hey, listen, we're going to offer sheep this guy. But a lot of the time, like it's just it ends up being a non, non-issue because either they don't offer sheet him or they do and the other team just matches it. It's just hmm. it's, it's, it's all this talk that the media loves to just toss around and it's fun conversation to have because like you said, it's, it's kind of nuclear-like, you know, teams matching other teams and throwing big money into the pot. It's, it's kind of fun. But but ultimately, with a guy like Mitch, I just even if a team did do that, like a Carolina or whatever, I I just couldn't see the Leafs not matching it. They and the, yeah, I think they probably would match it uh, as as you know within reason. But uh, doesn't doesn't it just seem like a dick move? And it just like it screws the Leaf in, in so many the Leafs in so many ways. Like they they're potentially paying up to two million dollars more for this player. And then it's just like, where's your credibility left as as a general manager? You think we're going to help you down the road? It's just, uh, it's a dicey game. And that's why I was so put off and, and surprised by what Dreger said. And uh, and like what everyone says, like this RFA class, it's crazy all across the league. Like you're, you got Rantanen, you got uh, Braden Point. There's so many other guys out there. Why, why is it, why is it the Leafs always being targeted, you know? No, I, I think you're absolutely right. And and he even said, Button, he said the GM in Phoenix, when it, when him and his organization in Dallas made that that offer, uh, he was livid, the GM in Phoenix. Like, oh, he did yeah, not want to talk to them at all. Like, that is absolutely how you ruin your GM relationship. Like, I know we like to joke around about our NHL 19 GM rep. You know, GM rep going down, GM rep going up. And and this would absolutely bring your GM rep down if you, if you did one of these slick moves. Oh, and yeah. Uh, yeah. So I I don't know for for a team to even try to do it is far fetched. And then even if they do do it, like I said, with a guy like Mitch Marner, I think you you, you match it and then you just live on and, and figure things out from there. Yeah. And actually, Nick, speaking about poor GM rep, I'm I'm talking to the guy with the lowest in the league right now. Simmer I mean, uh, down. I mean, you you uh you you saw me in a tough, vulnerable spot, and you took every uh every step you could to just screw me while I was down, didn't you? You knew, 
you knew I wanted Carter Hart in the league. You knew it. Mm. And you, I, you I took no, your chance. I had, no idea. I had no idea. That's a filthy lie. It's not. It's filthy, Nick. What do you mean? You saw that I had no moves left, and you saw that I picked him up in the other league, and then you jumped on your shot. I just needed a goalie, Kyle. I mean, when you're running with Miko Koskinen and and, oh. and Binnington, young Binnington is <laughs> your two goalies. I mean, that's not gonna that's not gonna win you a championship. A young Binny. You gotta you gotta look out for yourself sometimes in the in the wild west. I guess so. But uh, does it does it bother you that you've got two rookie goalies just holding the fort on your uh, on absolutely your not at all? Because because they're arguably the hottest goalies in the league right now. And and as you know, in the playoffs, it's all about who's hot and not necessarily who's got the best track record. I and, guess. Uh, and and hey, I'm happy to have those two guys leading my team. All right, all right. Well, speaking of heart, let's get into the Flyers, Nick. Now, uh, with uh, with our little Pierre Maguire segment the other week, when we talked about like who's mathematically out of it according to his formula, the Flyers were out of it, Nick. Like we looked at after the All Star game, they were like. 12 points back and man oh man they're they're just on a tear like eight straight wins now uh carter hart's got seven straight wins which hasn't been done by a man his age since price uh if he wins one more he ties the nhl record for most wins by a under 21 goalie he's got a 925 and a 248 gaa this guy's insane and i i gotta i gotta pull out my apology right away because I was one of those saying that you know this was a this was a bad idea to rush the guy, and uh, man, has he has he ever proved us wrong? He's he's taken this city, and he and he's just given them hope for this season, and it's been just uh, just amazing to watch. No, uh, absolutely. I mean, you see that that save he had on Goldobin last night. Oh, where fuck. he saved the initial shot and then the rebound. And he, he somehow, I don't know how the heck he got a piece to that puck, but he made the move over and got a save on, on just a great chance on Goldobin. Mm. Uh, that was really something. And honestly, it's eight in a row. Eight in a row now. They got L.A. coming into t- Saturday. Kyle, I think they can make this 10 in a row. Oh, my with, God. With those, two, with those two crap teams coming into town. And, yeah, and uh, then. Yeah, go on. No, go on. Well, I just think, you know, two in a row, then you're at 10. You know, you stack up the points. At that point, you're you're close to Columbus, who's 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 got that last playoff spot. So this would be really something. This would be like Hamburg tier if they could get their way into a playoff spot, which I think would be great. Yeah. And, and like I said, usually in these runs, you, like it's not just like you, you have a run. You need some kind of emotional factor to kind of like, you know, grasp onto. And in that year, it was Hamburg or Craig Anderson and his wife who was dealing with cancer. And like this, this rookie story of Carter Hart, I think, is yet another one of those stories where you could really get together as like as a team and just and just gather around and really get a streak going, you know? Absolutely. It's so reminiscent of, of that magical Ottawa year when, mm-hmm. you know, those guys were just out of it. And, and who is this guy they just pulled up? Now, in, in this case, we we know about Carter Hart because he's he's got this hype around him. But it's all the same. Like he, it's a guy that's never had, you know, success in the league, and it that's how it's the same. Just because he's he's a rookie too. But we also got to give credit to to some of these players too because they've been they've been getting it done by committee as well. Nick, we've we've seen Voracek just go totally hot. We've seen Nolan Patrick be key in in important moments. We saw that overtime goal the other day, right after he uh, he made a blunder on the on the empty that net. But uh, this team's just pulling it together, and the story that's uh, most intriguing to me, and uh, I'm going to ask you about this in just a sec, is we were talking about the Philadelphia Flyers as bona fide sellers at this upcoming deadline. Now this winning streak. How does this change their whole mentality going into the deadline? Because you can't just say you're going to be sellers for for a team that's that's now pushing for a spot, can you? Yeah, I, th- I think you're right. And I think this new management that's in place, 
is going to be a lot more aggressive to make a playoff spot than the old group that was there. Because from what I understand, the entire reason why the Hextall guy got run out of town was because he wanted to take his time with these prospects. He didn't want to throw Carter Hart into the gauntlet right away. And he kind of, he was going to sacrifice potential playoff potential this year just to, you know, hold the rookies back. But this new management group, the the one that threw him out of town, they're mm. like, no, we we're this is a results oriented business. We have fans who want to make the playoffs. They expect the playoffs every year, and 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 we're not going to take our time here. And so I think with this new management group, I could see them being a little more aggressive here. You know, not necessarily calling Carter Hart down anytime soon, which I've heard some reports of, and not maybe trading a Wayne Simmons. And, and really kind of trying to get into the playoffs if they can keep this pace up for the next couple weeks. So I, I'd agree with you. I think it really changes the complexion of their trade deadline. Um, yeah. and, and I think these next two to three weeks are huge. If, if, they, if they slide a little after these Californian teams they play, mm-hmm. then I think you, you indefinitely see a Wayne Simmons moving. Mm-hmm. I, I think you for sure see that happening. Um, but if they keep this up, and in Columbus, that team that just just keeps falling as they have in these last few weeks, you know, don't hang on to their talent and and try to make a run here. Yeah, and I actually I saw a report on TSN today, Nick, that they said Simmons is probably like eighty percent, ninety percent moving, regardless of how they do. But I'm I think I'm more on your side. I think if if they keep plugging along like this, I think you keep Simmons, even if you think you are gonna gonna lose him, and just keep him as like an own rental. Like you just, uh, you, he's an important player for for a playoff run. You you know you're probably gonna lose him because you can't sign him. But uh, I think if if they have the hope and they have this positive energy, I, I'm with you. I think they they keep going. But uh, but you mentioned Columbus there. Now we, we got to talk about well, these guys. Well, wait a second. Wait a second. What? What? I'll, I'll disagree with you there. With what? I I'm, just I'm agreed so, with I'm you. Sorry. I okay. I'm not that serious about them keeping Wayne Simmons. I'm like okay, like you know, I I see some merit in it, but let's be honest. When you think Philadelphia, you don't think of a playoff run, do you? Oh, Nick. This I don't is know. Like a first round and bus team. This would be like Edmonton getting it. Okay, no. like you get in and it's great for the fans and you're going to get you're going to sell playoff tickets and, and yet another year in the playoffs, but you're getting kicked out in the first round. You're, you're playing Tampa and you're getting mucked. Let's now, hold it. on just a minute here. Okay, when, when you when you pull in Tampa, it it ruins the, the, the story. But well, there you go. In the beginning of the season, we were saying this roster's good enough to be a you good said team. That. Come you on. said that. I didn't, no, I didn't have on. them. I didn't have you had them in the playoffs. I don't know if I did. I'm sure you did. We, I don't know if I did. We enjoyed this roster very much. You like them a lot more than I do. But my point being, why in the hell would you keep Wayne Simmons when your best shot is getting to a second round? Like, that's just idiotic. Like, I get Columbus, right? I get, hey, let's keep Bob and, and Panarin because we actually have a shot. Like, this Metro is wide open. None of these teams have really seized it. We were at the top. We were at the top of it just a few weeks ago. We. I see the merit in keeping a Panarin and a Bob, but I don't know if from Philly's perspective. I see the merit in hey, this Wayne Simmons guy could get us to a Cup final. You know, like I don't know about that. Well, I don't know, Nick. What uh, depending on how these couple weeks go. Who's to say that that Columbus doesn't uh, just shit the bed and they're they're shit? Then then what do you we'll do see. with the Bob and Panarins? We'll see. Well, let, let's let's get into it because uh, Columbus Blue Jackets is our next topic here, and uh, I mean I've been trying to trying to figure out what to do with these two guys for a long time now, and uh, I don't know. You know what? Uh, I, I used to be on the on the camp to say keep one or, or keep both because you trust in your, your own players. But uh, what we're seeing here is a rift developing between the coach and in particular Bobrovsky. So now I'm looking at the situation like this. If you have any chance to go deep in the playoffs, 
you'd want to keep the the stud top five goaltender in the league. That's who you, if you don't have Bob, you have no chance. So if they choose to keep him, then, uh, then that means they're making a run. But if he doesn't have a, a good trusting with the coach and he's mentally just not into it, then what, what chance do they have? And then Panarin's already at the, at the top of the TSN trade bait board. I mean, I'm sort of more in the camp of maybe trade both because, you know, if Bob's not into it, then you don't have a chance anyways. And it just seems like he's lost the trust of the coach. Well, let's not forget their, their GM, he's voiced they may be aggressive here. They may make some trades. I, I know Tortorella, he had that infamous interview. <clears throat> Did you hear that one this past week? I got one center. Yeah. <laughs> I fucking he walked love in, that he walked shit. In, he almost oh. broke the TSN guy's mic. Yeah. And then and then and then he's like, yeah, he one center thing. And and I think they need a centerman. They need to trade for like a solid number 2 center. They need like a Paul Stasny that Winnipeg mm. had last year. Cuz right yes. now they have Dubois, and other than that, they've got like Brandon Dubinsky. Wenberg. Yeah, you're not going to make a run. As much as I love this team, they're not going to make a run with just that depth down the middle. No. In Malkin and Pittsburgh, and Kuznetsov and Backstrom and Winnipeg, and sorry, in Washington. It's not going to happen. Hmm. And so I I could see them being a little more trigger happy with making a move rather than Philly, just given Columbus has always been in the hunt. And let's face it, Kyle, they need results. They they really do. After you know last year's crushing loss in the first round, they've had two straight losses in the first round. Like They're a team that has expectations to make a run here. Where Philly, you know, I think they'd just be happy to get in at this point after what's happened to them this past year. Mm. So... You know, for them, I could see them being a little more trigger happy, being more buyers at the deadline and getting that second line center and, and really trying to make a run. And that's wow. why I'm a little more optimistic. I'm a little more optimistic about their situation th- than, than a Philly. So, Nick, you're saying that they keep both these guys. They might just keep them both out of just desperation to have a run. Here. Wow. Because I, I, th- I think, you know, I, I think the GM there, he looks at their team and he says, hey, we almost beat. We were an overtime goal away from beating the def- the, def- the Stanley Cup champions last year. Mm. And, and, and I believe we have the talent with, with this great defense and this star centerman, Pierre Maguire's boy, and Pierre-Luc Lu- Dubois uh, t- to make a Love run him. here. And 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 the and like I said, the Metro's wide open. I don't think a Pittsburgh or a Washington look dominant. They don't look like a Tampa, you know, or a Nashville or a Winnipeg. They're just not in that tier in my mind. And and I think he sees it wide open and he's like, Hey, we can make a conference final and, and once you're at the conference final, it's a crapshoot. Yeah. And uh and, and, and I could just see them being a little more optimistic. So I wouldn't be surprised if they keep both of them. But at the same time, with this with this development in Florida, with that trade they made with Pittsburgh recently, with with the yeah. Broussard trade, uh, to me it looks like Florida is trying to you know empty cap, cap space, bring in like a guy like a Bobrovsky, you know, because mm. Luongo is getting older, Reimer is very inconsistent as a backup. Um, I, I could really see them getting a guy like him, but at the same time, I wouldn't be surprised if they keep both. So you're saying Yarmo Kekalainen takes all his poker chips and he just shoves them right to the middle of the table. Because we know, I, and especially especially if he wants to not only keep them, but buy. You think he could possibly buy, and then it's like, you are so screwed. As soon as this year's over, it's like you plummet to the depths of hell because you've lost both guys for nothing. And then you've spent probably futures to to buy some some centermen at the deadline. This is a nasty, nasty business. No matter, I don't think there's a right answer here, Nick. There, there's simply not. I think maybe the middle answer is you you trade Panarin, and maybe you use that trade to get a really good number two center and maybe some futures as well. I think that's probably the only way to go, because it's just so extreme on both. If you go two or two each way, it's so extreme. You either sacrifice everything or you just forfeit the year. It's such a hard, hard decision. 
I mean, hey, like I said, I think it's I think it's very unlikely Panarin gets dealt. I think Nick, that come a, on. that's a guy that's come a guy on. You need for a playoff run. You're not getting anywhere without him. I, and I, you know, we're different. I, I don't believe you need amazing goaltending to win a cup. I think you could get rid of Bobrovsky and still make a conference final if you're Columbus. I really do. But I think Panarin is a key, key part in, in a, any kind of run. He's your top offensive producer. He runs the show there for you guys. I think I he agree, but like... You would need to stay if you're going to make any kind of noise in that Metro division. And mm. and the goalie would go. So if anything, I'm saying one of these two things happen. Either they keep both, they make a lot of ads, or at the very least, they add to their center position and they go for their run, or they just deal Bobrovsky. I'm saying those are the only two situations that happen. If Panarin gets dealt, I will be shocked. He is at the top of the trade bait board. He's at he the is, number one. But- and, and I will say this, it will be very dependent on what happens here in the next couple of weeks. Because if they lose, you know, in these next coming weeks, because they've lost like what, like five in a row at this point. If they keep losing, then fine, deal him. Because then mm. you're just, okay, you're not set to make a playoff push and you may as well. But if you are in a position to make, to get into the playoffs, then I think it's your, it's, it's in your best interest to keep him. Given your fan base is just, just really grasping for some kind of playoff success at this point. Man, I can't wait to see how this all shakes out. I I think, uh, yeah, it it really is, and it, and no one really has a has a clear answer. I, I think it's gonna be probably one and one, but again, I I, I worry because you know Torts pushes his guys, and Bobrovsky's like, I don't even want to be here anyways. So what? Why am I gonna listen to this clown? I I just I don't know the character of this guy, this Bobrovsky character. He he is Russian, which uh, doesn't play into his favor. But uh, man, I don't know. I don't know if it's me. I I uh, I consider moving both. But uh, I I I would probably safely move Panarin and uh, and keep Bob for the for the run. But uh, that's that's how that's shaken out. And uh, let's let's turn our attention to that trade bait board, Nick. Uh, you've you've seen the board every so often here. There's moves being made, and uh, people are shifting up up and down. Now, what what intrigues you the most on uh, on that board? Well, I mean, I I think uh, I think LA is an interesting team because I think of all the teams in the West, they're the <clears throat> team so far who definitively looks like they're sellers. I think we said a lot of that through the the recent Jake Muzzin move. Yeah, um, you see Alec Martinez there. I think he'd be a great fit. Hell, I think I I'd love it if you just you get that combo of Martinez and Muzzin. I think that would be awesome. Oh, if Martinez and, uh, went to Toronto, oh, that'd be awesome. You get one oh, guy on the shit. left side, one guy on the right side. You end that whole debate, and mm. you just have a whole you have an LA Kings pairing. I would that would never that. happen. Um, so you know, I'd love to see him get dealt. Um, there was obviously reports about Carter being <clears throat> centerman, as I said about Columbus. That's exactly what they need. What if he returned to Columbus? That would be really something. Hmm. Um, and hey, just looking at, and I think Ottawa is a huge story. What happens with those two guys? You know, what happens with Duchesne du- and Stone? From what I hear, Stone talks were a little more optimistic about an extension than Duchesne. Yeah, but of late, of late, with the way they've been losing, they seem to be losing at the worst possible time. Oh, and shit. so because because of that, the players just aren't buying into to what, uh, you know, Pierre Dorian's trying to trying to sell them on about how well they're they're going. Mm-hmm. Um, there's certain guys here who I think are imminent. Like I think they're for sure getting dealt. Like a guy like Furland, I think is a is a definite dealt. A yeah. Zuccarello. A definite dealt, hmm. um, just certain guys. So I don't, I don't know. There's there's a good names here for for most like prospective trade deadline like years. This is a pretty exciting year in my opinion. Absolutely, it's it's crazy that like what we're getting with the RFA situation and and the trade bait situation. I mean, I, I want to add a little bit bit of perspective on the Duchesne uh, scenario here. Because uh, if you listen to Duchesne's interview about this whole contract talk, it it sounded to me like he almost wrote it right on the wall. It, it just sounded like he's ready to go. 
like he is just pretty much accepting his fate as he basically said yeah you know if uh if contracts don't get done you know they're gonna deal me and uh i fully expect that uh, and that's fine so if uh if duchene goes and i'm of the believer that he's probably gonna go just because you know it's duchene I, I don't really think he has a great character enough to stick around for this rebuild kyle kyle Come on, what this is a, this is a guy who's saying whiskey glasses on on country night Nick, at, the, at, the, at the arena, come on! I think I think Duchesne is one of the worst character guys in the league now. But God, he he killed it at the concert. Come on! I don't know. I think he's just doing that for the ladies, man. I, I think he's a <laughs> he's a horrible guy. He's not. He's a he's married not, man. It, well, it's, fuck. Who cares? Who cares? <laughs> he he's he's a brat. He's he's worse than Druan. I'm telling you, <laughs> Druan is like is like a little baby compared oh, to this boy. guy. He he's such a little brat. And I've heard oh, wow. stories about him in the off season, about him just being a prick, just uh, in the summer in his summer hockey league. So I think Duchesne's out of there. And then when when Duchesne says he's not coming along, Mark Stone is certainly not going to sign there. I don't care how loyal you are, if this team doesn't have Duchesne and Stone staying together, you're in for a long fucking rebuild here. Like who knows how long this could be. Those two but, guys but, 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 are so but, but, important. But Thomas Shabbat. Thomas Shabbat. Yeah, Thomas Shabbat. But who's on forward? Or, if, or Ryan Zingle. We, we no. got the, 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 the Zingle. You're crazy. You're crazy. If they See, don't have... I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to play Pierre Dorian here. And I'm like, hey, look. Got we got the Dzingle kid. We got we got Shabbat. Yeah, we, got, yeah. we, got, uh, we got Pierre's boy, Colin White. And you thank know, like, God. Like, thank God Shabbat the, the and White have bright. panned out. It, it, it's it's going to be... Brady Kachuk. You know what? You, let, let me say this. Let me say this. Ottawa is in the worst organizational situation oh. in the league by far. And people shit on Edmonton all the time. Ottawa is in the worst spot oh, by far. Don't Wa say that. Watch Duchesne and Stone walk or get traded here. You don't have oh. your first rounder, so that delays your, your rebuild by a couple of years. They're in an awful scenario. If you get rid of those two forwards... Who is your who is your veteran presence up there that has any skill whatsoever? Bobby Ryan. Bobby Bobby Ryan. He's the what a horrible example. That's just embarrassing. Like this is gonna be if these two guys go, and I think it's very possible they're they're both top ten on the board. This is a disaster. Now it's you're gonna have to get a, a solid solid return. But like, if you're gonna have to do this at the deadline, this is a disaster. If these guys, but 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 Batherson and 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 Fermenton, yeah, and, that's... and the, the guys we got from San Jose, and 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 then Logan Brown. That's great, Nick. But uh, I mean, look at look at the Leafs a couple of years ago when they tanked. They had they they were able to get Matthews that year, so they had first overall pick. You can't get that in Ottawa. You had guys like Marner and Nylander waiting in the wings. I don't see Batherson and uh, and these other guys on on the the level of a Matthews and a or sorry a Marner and a Nylander. Like Kachuk is going to be a fine player, but like you need some insulation here with with solid like forwards. So I don't know. Like it, you're going to have to get a, a hell of a return, but just know that these roster players that will come back will not be the same quality. Absolutely not the same quality. And look at your goaltender. He's he's barely he's got a foot in the grave for Christ's sakes. He's 45 years old or something. Craig Anderson's done. And who do you have next? Who's after Craig? Like it's it's terrible. You don't have a goalie. You might you might have to get Thatcher Demko. This team I don't have any answers for. It's sad. It's horribly sad. Now let me ask you this: Winnipeg is hunting for a center, a a top center, or not top center, but a solid number two. Do you see a fit with Duchesne? Do you see Winnipeg trading their first and uh, and a Roslovic for for a Duchesne? I think that would be fun. No, I think the words out there: the first round picks in play. They need a second round. You know, he, he, by the sounds of it, wants to go to a competitor, you know, not a rebuilding mm -hmm. team mm -hmm. like he is in right now. Mm -hmm. uh, 
I, I could definitely see see Winnipeg being a fit. I'd never thought of that, but that's that's a pretty good recommendation on your part. Yeah, um, I, I think I think if the Sheffield Day Off character could 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 swing that, I'd be all for it. Yeah, and then and then the only thing about me is, say you like Winnipeg, and uh, and you think Matt Duchesne's a great guy, but I I just don't want his toxic personality infecting that glorious dressing room with his negative energy. That's fair. I why mean, uh, yeah. Why don't I give you four guys, four potential Winnipeg centermen, and I want you to tell me who's the best fit. Duchesne, Jeff Carter, Braden Shen, Derek Brassard. Oh, well, I mean, my, my bias is going to tap in here, I'll admit, but if I'm a team who's looking for, to make a playoff run and I have the potential of getting a Jeff Carter... I am just salivating over what, that opportunity. What does Jeff Carter offer a team looking oh. to make a run? Tell tell me what what are his what are his strengths that he would bring oh to a, a team like a Winnipeg? He brings a guy. He is a guy who could play at all parts of the all parts of the game. Even strength, power play, penalty kill. He can score goals for you. He's got a wicked shot. He could play make for you. He's got character upon belief. He's won cups. He's won. He's won international titles he's won at every level of the of world hockey and Mm. he's a proven commodity commodity at just producing world i think jeff of those four i would happily take a jeff carter Mm. i mean not at a lot of term like i i you know i i wouldn't like sign him for a long term just because like he's obviously getting older in age he's not like a duchene who's got more age on him and, and and has more years to offer but in terms of just this year and a push, I would love Jeff Carter on my team. But uh, Nick, for some reason, I just can't see Carter as a fit in Winnipeg. Like, doesn't he seem like a guy who wouldn't play well with Line? A? Like, doesn't Line a need that that creative, dynamic playmaker kind of kind of centerman? Isn't he that was kind Paul, of guy? Was Paul Stasny a dynamic playmaking centerman? I don't know, but I think Line is mostly driven by uh by what's the kid Ehlers who he I think he's been hurting by not having Ehlers around, but I don't know but, Paul but Kyle, Paul Stastny. I mean, Ehlers was playing with Shifley and Wheeler. Well, where where was Con? What well, where's Kyle Connor playing? Connor was playing with Line, so I think he misses Connor. Well, either way you cut it, I mean, I just I don't see a fit here with Carter. He, uh, what's his skating like these days? He's a very good skater. Don't give me that shit. I've watched a ton of games. Listen to you. The commentators have been gushing about how good of a skater he's been. So why is he not being talked about about more as a a trade ship here? He is. He's in the top 20 on the trade bait board. What else could you want? But no one talks about this. No one talks about him because apparently his family situation is very comfortable in L.A. He doesn't necessarily. Oh, fuck. It's a great city. Why would you want to leave L.A. and live in Winnipeg? You got, I would you totally got do kids. that. You got, you got a few kids. Simmer down, you know? Nick, how would you feel you're living in L.A. and, and it's, everything's going okay, but then your kids grow up American? How do you feel about that? He's got he's got three years left at five million. He's got three years left. I'm sure he'd like to stay in L.A. There were reports he was going to retire if he was moved out of L.A. Like that's how serious he is about staying in that city. But does he have a so, no trade? I, I don't know what the technicalities are around that. But my point being is, you literally just said you were on the cr- verge of retiring if you weren't staying in L.A. Oh and my if your God. GM, if your GM comes to you and says, "I'm shipping you to Winnipeg," that's like the opposite of California. Come on, Nick. You just told me that this guy had character out the wazoo. What kind of character guy says? I mean, he's got a chance to go win in Winnipeg. He's and, won two cups, Kyle. When you've yeah, won but, two cups, are you really yearning to win anymore? I think you're just looking to retire and have a you know good future for your family and your kids. Am I right? Nick, if you have world-class character, you want to win another one. You want a third uh, cup. I don't know, Kyle. I, now yeah. I question this guy to no end. You're going to retire at 35 with plenty of legs left because you're comfortable in L.A.? You're, you're a your bitch. family, Kyle. Your family. you got to look no. after the family. He's a bitch. He's got five more years of good hockey. Well, 
three and three and a half more years of decent hockey left. If I'm him, I'm going to wring myself dry for those three and a half years and just try to win. And if I'm trying to win, I'm getting the hell out of L.A. You can leave your family behind. Leave them behind and visit them Jeez. every so often. That's rough, man. That's what Eric Stahl does. He's he's in Minnesota. His family's still back at, uh, what's, its fa- what's his face, uh, Thunder Bay. His They don't live with him. All I'm going to say, Kyle, is as the great Vin Diesel would say, it's all about the family. Fuck. And 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 he's got a he's got a he, I see where he's coming from. Two cups. Why would you be in a rush to leave? I mean, you got it set there. You're comfortable. You're making a lot of money. Uh, I mean, hey, come on. Like, why, 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 why rush the issue here? I don't know. I I, I think if he had any juice left, like real passion to win, I think he'd uh, he'd he'd be okay moving along. He'd be all right. But, alas, he's fine to stay in L.A. You know who's not fine to stay in L.A., Nick? Jake Muzzin. Jake Muzzin was traded to the Leafs not too long ago. Uh, how's he been doing, Nick? Give, give me, you're a, you're a, a huge Jake Muzzin and aficionado. You're, you're the L.A. guy. Have we been seeing Jake's full potential as of yet? Has Jake been performing as you expected? What do you think of his fit? Uh, what do you think of him with Riley? What, what are your thoughts so far? I know you had a good night last night. Well, I'll tell you what, Kyle. It's been a very short sample size. And and I'll be honest, a lot of Leaf fans, when this deal was was made, and, and like, you know, pundits like Steve Dangle included, they kind of asked themselves, who is this Jake Muzzin character? Mm-hmm. You know, th- this isn't really a marquee name. This isn't Drew Doughty. This is Jake Muzzin. Who's Muzzin? <laughs> and, Come on. Uh, and, they weren't and saying that. I'm telling you, man, he's not a marquee name around the league. He just really isn't. I guess. And I think the re- the reality of the situation is that uh, he has met, if not exceeded, expectations to this point. This is a guy who thrives on his hockey smarts, just being at the right place at the right time, making the right defensive play at the right time. Not necessarily flashy, but just being a very smart, savvy player. A guy who was drafted in around the fifth round, was kind of casted off by teams in his younger younger career, and, mm. and who really had to make a difference in his hockey sense and hockey smarts. And that was gonna what that's what was gonna put him beyond other defensemen growing up and developing in this league. And I think if you've seen anything in these last two to three games with the Leafs, it's that his sock, his hockey sense is second to none on this roster. He Come has made on. such Kyle. He has made such great plays. This has been a void that has been missing on this Leafs team for far too long. And he's made so many plays, so many great hits. Everything from like a great, you know, exit out of the defensive zone to just a great, you know, hit on a guy who's coming in like that hit against Corey Perry the other night against Anaheim. This guy is doing it on all levels for the Leafs. And in my opinion, as an LA Kings fan, a guy who knows this team from, you know, top to bottom, like an expert, he's been everything as advertised, in my opinion. That's awesome. And I mean, we saw the shot too. I I didn't know he had a shot last like that. Like that was a oh, yeah. bomb, clean bomb. One timed it just perfectly. And then of course he was throwing his weight around too last night, which is great to see. A stat that jumps out to me is probably my favorite is he's like second in the league on defensive zone battles one, which is which is huge, clearing guys out front of the net and winning board battles. It's uh it's wonderful to see. And uh, I think I, I always uh, advocated it was a great move for the Leafs. Um, but do you think they are done making moves or is, is Dubas looking to get some uh, some forward help now? Yeah, ab- absolutely not. I mean, like I said with Alec Martinez, I wouldn't even be surprised if they got another defenseman. R- no. Right shot D. Yeah. I, Come I on, think you get another, Come on. another guy. Another guy who you can slot in is, is a 5-6 guy. You know, ideally you want seven defensemen in the playoff run because that way, you know, if you're the coach Babcock, you can play around with matchups, get who you really want right there. Right now they only have something like five, five, you know, left shot defensemen and only one right shot defenseman, which is kind of awkward. 
and uh, and I think to have seven, and and that seventh guy being a right shot defenseman to really that would be really neat because then you know if you're getting a playoff run and a guy like Zaitsev is struggling, you just take him out of there, you know, or a Haynes mm-hmm. and you can take him out of there, and and I think that would be a nice luxury Babcock would like to have. So I'm not saying a name brand guy like Muzzin, but someone a little more under the radar who could fill a void there, uh, mm. on the right side. So I, I could see that being a deal, and I could almost certainly seeing another forward being a deal. Because, I mean, let's be honest, that Gauthier, Lindholm line, whoever is the other winger on that line, they haven't really been scoring. I mean, they fill, they do their part, they eat up minutes, but they're not necessarily scoring goals and being a threat for you. Mm-hmm. So I, I think a forward who could chime in, you know, a guy with character, a guy with a bit of bite, some grit. Um, some I think bite. that's something, yeah. That's some sandpaper. That's what mi- that's what's missing on this team. Yeah, and uh, I think if you add a guy like that, I think that would that would do a lot for them for a long playoff push. So you think uh, now when we talk about this forward, is are we talking like relatively big name or or more of like a fringe third fourth liner kind of guy? Yeah, like I said, I don't think you're looking for a Wayne Simmons. Like I don't think you have to go that far. Aww. I mean, if you really want to, if you really want to appetize the fans. Hell, hell, do it. Like, that would be awesome. I want my Wayne. Point, my, point, my point is, just get a guy with a lot of character, a lot of playoff experience, a guy who could lay some hits like a muzzin, you know, pick on pick on players when they're attacking the Marners and the Matthews. Can, yeah. You know, just just a kind of defensive mechanism you can throw out there. And, and, and like, you know, like we've said with Ray Ferraro in the past, not a guy who just is in there, a tough guy, but can't skate. Not some goon. But but some guy who could do his part. I mean, yeah. you look at a Washington last year; they were the biggest team in the NHL last year when they entered the playoffs. You know, with guys like Tommy Wilson, hmm. T.J. Oshie, not only guys who could hit, but also could do their part and contribute offensively, play on a top line. And so, I think they need a guy like that who could fill the void on a third or fourth line. And again, like not a guy who's necessarily there every game, but can really like just slot in in a matchup situation, right? Like maybe in a Tampa series, he'd be vulnerable. But if you play Boston, hell, throw him out there. If you play a Columbus, throw him out there. Washington, throw him out there. Like those heavier matchups, you definitely want a guy like that to, to, to help your team. Yeah, it's almost like what Pittsburgh got in Bugstad in a way because he's, he's that big body right. guy who can play and uh, and he he kind of reminds me a lot of a, like a Hornquist kind of player, just just a wrecking ball kind of guy who can who's not afraid to get kind of nasty with that, with that bite. So yeah, I'm sure I'm sure it's still out there. People are talking about Furland, but uh, I don't know. I'm not I'm not fully convinced on that kind of kind of deal just yet because I'm sure he'd be expensive for for what we what we'd be getting, but. Uh, that's uh that's it for the show, Nick. Unless you have anything else to to add in conclusion. Well, all I'm gonna say is I think it's fitting to end the show with what we started with top, and that's with a public service announcement to our friend, our mutual friend, Pierre. You need to get your act together, my friend. Oh my god! I mean, it, it's it's not my problem that people misconstrued what you said, and now you're being attacked through social media about it. Okay, like that—that's a problem. Okay, and I'll admit it's probably blown out of proportion, like we said from the top of the show. But at this point, given the reputation you have and the fact that you're, you know, supposedly trying to to fight for a for a spot, a GM position, or a coaching position, you're trying to upgrade your career here. You cannot give these fans of yours just the smallest little sniff of evidence they can team up on you for, okay? It's it's getting out of hand here. And 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 what you said about Kendall Coin was out of line. I'm sorry. The I'll admit it wasn't huge and and it's a shame people misconstrued it, but still the fact that you did that just gave them a little sniff of evidence to gang up on you for. It was a little much, and uh, I, you know, it's only gonna hurt you in the long run. So you gotta smarten up here, like he said in his defense on on you know on his hits with TSN. He's gotta be better, Kyle. Like you said, he, he it's up to him, it's on him, and he's gotta be better. And and I expect him to be better here to finish off the season if he has any chance of of being the GM for for Seattle or Edmonton. Pierre Maguire, if you're listening. 
listen hard because Nick's got all the advice you're ever going to need <laughs> to become GM in this NHL hockey league. I'm just looking out for my friend, and, and that's why I'm sending out this public service announcement. So I hope you're listening. That's awfully nice of you, Nick. We should all take some lessons here and, and just pay it forward, everybody. Just give 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 your friends a, a helping hand, pat on the back. I think it's uh it's very nice. But uh, I'm sure Pierre Maguire's people will find this, listen to it, and clip it and send it over to him, and, and he'll be on the show <laughs> next week. I hope so. But uh, until that time, ladies and gentlemen, it's been an absolute pleasure from the Rink Moose Closet here in North York, Ontario. This is uh, this is episode twenty-five, and we are Rink Moose. <laughs> Signing off. <laughs>